0: We actually are crazy enough to believe that. Um, I feel like we just we just, as a group, just lifted up this giant boulder. this powerful name of Jesus. And God, I'm not ready to set that down and start talking yet. And um, Jesus, you have the power to change everything for us. You've already done all the work, and you sent your Spirit, the Holy Spirit, to comfort us, to fill us, to be present with us, God, for moments just like now. And God, I know that there are people in this room that are hurting, that need you, need you to serve them right now. They they need what you got. And God, we lifted this, the name of Jesus up. Jesus, I just pray that in your name you'd fall on them. Obviously, that is not a crushing weight. Although powerful and mighty, that is a comforting weight. A rescuing weight. A forever changing weight of glory. Jesus, you can forgive anything. So God, for the person in this room that's already checked out because of what they think they've done. God, our thoughts... Are public, to the only one that ever matters, you. You know what we've done, and you love us, and you died for us. And It says in your word in Romans 5, 8, that while we were yet sinners, you died for our sins. And so, God, we just lay before you, metaphorically, We humble ourselves before you, God, as sinners, as people, as humans fallen short before a holy God. And we plead for mercy and we ask for your forgiveness and we ask for your grace. God, healing and brokenness that maybe others feel. God, remind them of your power to heal and to mend what's been broken. God, remind them of your presence. Remind them of your goodness. Remind them how you are working things behind the scene that they don't even know about or they don't even understand and that you're working all things together for good to those that love you and that know you and are called to your purpose. May we be called to your purpose this morning. God, I pray in the name of Jesus, as every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that you are Lord. God, we take this moment right now and we say we don't want to wait. And we confess that now that you are Lord, that you are Savior, that you are God, that you are Rescuer, that you are King. That you are glorious, that you are ready, you are willing, you are able to forgive us, to receive us, to fill us, to change us, to transform us, to make us active in your kingdom. To make us used for growing your kingdom and making an impact for others Today, God, as we, talk about, as we talk about living on mission and what it looks like to serve like Jesus, this is who we are as a church. We exist for others. Our very existence is to glorify you, God. <laughs> but what makes you most fulfilled in us is putting us on mission. So God, I pray that over the body this morning, no matter where we're at, no matter what we've done, no matter what we're feeling, no matter what we're experiencing, no matter what we're carrying in this moment, that we would rest it at your feet. And that we would open our ears and we'd open our hearts to your word. That we'd see your example of what it looks like to serve. Because, good grief, you had a lot to carry. You had a lot to be consumed by, to be thinking about. And you had a lot of stuff to get done, Jesus. But you laid all that aside to wash our feet. You laid all that aside to heal, to help, to teach, to encourage, and ultimately to die and rise to give us life. Jesus, we want to be like you. We don't want to be you. So God, may we lay down those things in our life right now that are consuming our minds that we are trying to be God and we just as a sign of worship and claiming that there is no other name other than the name of Jesus, there's no other name higher and stronger and more powerful, may we echo the action of those words by surrendering all to you in this moment, all of our duties, all of our time, all of our heart, all of our stresses, all of our hurt, all of our pain, and we surrender it to you. We give you control of that because you can carry that weight, and we cannot. God, we need you. We recognize that. We confess that. We love you, Jesus, and we thank you. We pray these things in your amazing name, Jesus. Amen. Right. All right, well, good morning, everyone. How are you? It's good to see you. Um, I want to I wanna actually um, jump right into the message. I was going to come up and talk about three announcements that we had. I'm going to push those to the end of my message because uh, I'm already rolling now. Um, uh, at the end of my message, I want to talk about three announcements, and then we're going to have uh, a good chunk of time. To hear from the Kreider family, which I'm going to talk a little bit more about here in a few moments, but uh, I, it's, it's like a, it's like I have a gift for you this morning, and it is Josh and Carrie Kreider, and I'm excited for them to be able to share a little bit about um, what's going on in their life and how um, really, in, essence, in, in essentially what's going on in our life uh, with them, and so. Uh, excited about that. If you could turn to Mark chapter 10 in uh, Luke chapter 13. Uh, we're going to briefly be in Mark 10 and we're going to be ultimately in Luke 13. If you give me a second to get there. We'll start in Mark 10. Everybody good? Did you get enough coffee this morning? (laughs) I think we need some more coffee in here. (laughs) All right, we need some energy this morning. We got some places to go and some stuff to do here. Um, Luke 13, Um, we are, oh man, I love it. I love it. Excuse me, I'm in the wrong book, Mark. All right, Mark 10. Uh, actually, let's not start in verse 45. We're going to back up to uh, verse 39. And Jesus says, "Jesus said to them, we are able. And Jesus said to them again, the cup that I drink will drink. And with the baptism which I am baptized, you will be baptized. But to sit at my right hand or at my left is not mine to grant, but is for those who For whom it has been prepared. But when the ten heard it, they began to be indignant at James and John. And Jesus called them to him and said to them, You know that those who were considered rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. But it shall not be among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant. And whoever is first among you will be your slave of all. Will must be the slave of all. Verse 45, here's the point. For even the Son of Man, Jesus, even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. And to give his life a ransom for many. So this brings up all kinds of questions, and for time's sake, I didn't want to necessarily dive into the context of this, but essentially there's a lot of conversation in this chapter on who's the greatest of all, who's the servant of all, who's like top dog, How does what's like the totem pole, what's the hierarchy of what it looks like to be a leader, and ultimately Jesus changes the, the, the paradigm here. He changes is the conversation and there's a lot of things in this passage but he ends on this phrase that maybe you've heard before it's where we're landing today it's where ultimately he's again in 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 the in the book of luke um it says in verse 45 for even the son of man did not come to be served but to serve even the son of man did not come to be served but to serve think about that for a moment Jesus Christ, God with skin, came to this earth and had every reason to be served, to be honored, to, be, to have everyone bow down to Jesus, right? But what did his life look like? His life looked like service. His life looked like purpose. His life looked like serving, like his focus was on other people. And if you think about this. Uh, today, I, I know that the, when you paint the picture of humble Jesus, when you paint the picture of Jesus, when he's washing the disciples' feet, you get this idea that ultimately Jesus is your friend. You get this idea that ultimately Jesus is like this down-to-earth, like, what a leader. What a guy to be around, right? What a guy to have a conversation with. What a down-to-earth, he's my homeboy. That's my my dude right there. But this is the thing. We must not forget. Although he is all of those things. Although he is a friend that will never leave us or forsake us. He is God. Jesus is king. Jesus is Lord. He is the prize of heaven. He is God's son. When God sent his son he wasn't just like ah I got it. he wasn't like Jesse in the in the story of David and Goliath he wasn't just like ah which son do I want to let me line up all my sons and he, he even forgot Jesse David David and Goliath in you know the story of David and Goliath he didn't forget or he didn't even he did forget that he, his son David wasn't even in the lineup when he put his his boys in a line like God's only son his only son begotten his only son he sent his one prized possession king of kings lord of lords who will be praised forever every story yes lord (laughs) taboo you remember that game no did I say something wrong um (laughs) was it on the list um Ah, I hate that. I'm so so ADD. I get so distracted. Where was I? (sighs) Okay, Jesus was the prize of heaven. He was the king of kings, is the Lord of lords. But here's the thing. Here's the point. Jesus ultimately came as big as he was, as king as he is, creator of the universe. All stories in the Bible pointing to him. God the Father, even God the Holy Spirit, all pointing the attention on Jesus. Jesus came to serve you. Jesus came to serve you. Not just metaphorically, he came to serve the world. He came to serve you. Even today, even today, there are things that you need. And not to be all like restaurante, you know, in the analogy's sake. He's not your server. Um, he ultimately is bringing you something that you may need. But he's staying for the meal. He's paid for the meal. All the analogies that go with it. Jesus... Has come to serve you, but before I burst your bubble on that, I wanna, I, wanna, I want you to understand something that <laughs> I think a lot of times in Christianity, especially maybe in American Christianity, this idea that okay, I'm sitting there, I'm here. Okay, Pastor Corey, uh, Jesus is here to serve me. Oh, that feels so good. Feels good, doesn't it? But I think there's. There's part of the, that, that's completely true, but there's part of that, that that has a problem, and I think that's where sometimes we get stuck, and I think that's sometimes why our lives, our own lives, sometimes don't look like servants to others. You see, if, I, if we make it all about you, Jesus has come to serve you. Then all of a the sudden, there's this excitement. Like you walk into, I'm sorry, there, there's not a lot of these in Jamestown. I don't think there's actually any anymore. But you go to another big city and you walk into a Christian bookstore. What are you going to see? You're going to see all these books and all these materials that are about you. About how great and grandeur and powerful God is for you. And you start to be, you begin to wonder and you begin to think, like, wow, God is so good and He's so kind and He's here to serve me, that you get stuck in this idea that, wait, 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 this whole thing is about me. And it's not. We're not the hero of the story, we're not the point of the story. Jesus is the point of the story. Listen, listen. So, the whole idea of this is, is, can be radically changing for us. If we think it's about us, then we come to church and we've got a list of things that we think that church should accomplish for me. If Jesus, if I, if I live for Jesus, if I live to serve Jesus, then I show up at church and I'm there to serve. And see what I can accomplish and give to accomplish the goals that God is doing through that church. If, if I'm waking up in the morning all of a sudden my home is about serving me, then I'm looking for that home to serve me, rather than I'm living in that home waiting on serving everyone in my home. There's a difference there. There's a perspective difference. And I know it's easy for us to maybe hear, but I think there's a difference. or There's, a, there's a, a, a clog in the tube here when we start to understand. When I say Jesus has come to serve you or he's come to serve the world, I think we get stuck in this. We're not the point. Jesus is the point. God is the point. Quickly, go to Galatians. Uh, Actually, let's first go to Philippians. I don't think they have this on the screen. I want you to see this a little bit deeper. Philippians chapter two. Verses three. It says, Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Let each of you look not only ...to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Have this mind among you, yourselves, which, was, which is yours in Christ Jesus. It's this idea that when you serve in your relationships with one another... ...you have the same mindset as Jesus Christ. So I said Jesus Christ came to serve you. The point of Jesus Christ coming to serve us and save us... ...wasn't ultimately just to save us... It was to show his character of his love, of his holiness, of his rescue to us forever and ever and ever so that he would be praised forever and ever and ever. And yes, we are the absolute beneficiaries of his forgiveness. We are the absolute beneficiaries of relationship with God the Father. But we have been saved because we have work to do. He's come to serve us so that we will go and serve them. It's just water is a good example. Water in one place, if it stays in one place over time, what happens? That water becomes stagnant and gross and smelly and sticky. But what about water that's a rushing river, clear and clean? It's this whole idea of life being breathed in us so that we can breathe life into others. It's this idea of every relationship that we have is the idea that ultimately God came to us to serve us so that we can serve them. Now, I'm going to go on a little road trip. So, we're doing Mr. Rogers this morning, all right? Old school Mr. Rogers. So, when we um, reestablished our vision, In our mission for uh, Conduit, uh, we came up with three words um, that were significant um, to our new vision um, and our new mission. Um, One of our main focuses in this was our mission statement. Our mission statement now is to live like we want you to live like Jesus, love like Jesus, and serve like Jesus. Now, uh, a little over a year ago, we... um, Put together this artwork thingy uh, out in the foyer. Maybe you've noticed it. Maybe you've never noticed it. Maybe you've walked right by it. Or maybe this morning you saw donuts and you saw no artwork. I'd encourage you after we're done not just to see the awesome open house leaders that will be back here ready to sign you up. But behind them there is this thing. I hope the mic still works or doesn't make a funny noise when I come out. But I essentially... uh, made this giant fabric that is lit up with light behind it. Now, and I know it seems simple, but this was a lot of work. And if you know me at all, you know I spend way too much time thinking about this kind of stuff. Almost obsess over it, because I want to make a statement, because this is important. Conduit, I want you to live, love, and serve like Jesus. In the last two weeks, we've talked about um, this whole idea of our, our vision. This whole idea of living, loving, and serving like Jesus. So this week, third week, is serving like Jesus. And I look at these pictures, and you may just think, oh, that's cute, guys. Um, They're old pictures of a random place. But guys, there was a lot of work put into this, all right? So I went to the Fenton um, Historical Museum, and I spent uh, a lot of time. I don't remember her name, but she was so nice. And we spent a lot of time... um, And she, I feel like she was there for every picture um, because she had a story behind every picture. But we went through booklets and booklets and booklets. I said, I want to find the essence of what Jamestown used to be. I want to know what was it about. Like what, because everybody talks about how amazing back in the day it used to be. The furniture capital of the world. And all these people walking around and these, like, hustling and bustling. All this amazing, these homes that were just beautifully built. And it was just a lot of people that are like shaking their head like, you know, it was there. And she was telling me all about it. And I found these three pictures because I felt like it had everything to do with living like Jesus, loving like Jesus, and serving like Jesus. And I felt like it had everything to do with our identity at Conduit. Uh, I want you to see this later. Um, This is from one side of 3rd Street. I'm looking downtown um, near the new brewery that's being um, built. Uh... The one on the left that's for live and then love is a picture of on 2nd Street. This place that, oh, this is so conduit. So we we had this crazy idea a few years ago to get a food truck. What church does that? And then hand out snow cones, right? And we did snow cones instead of ice cream because it was cheaper and we wanted to hit like the masses, right? So, but I found this picture. And they said that this was on, she thought this was on Easter Sunday. So all the kids are dressed up, it's after church. And they're serving what's called giant Mexican cups. Ice cream cones. I don't get it. I don't know if they put, like, taco seasoning on it. I'm not sure. <laughs> but she, she showed me another picture that zoomed in. And it was literally, it was an ice cream um, cone in the shape of a heart, right? I'm going, Cameron's shaking his head. So he's like, he's going too deep into this story. Anyways. <laughs> I'm like, dude, I'm seeing this guy in the background. He's throwing balloons, and he's serving his city that he loves so much with ice cream. This is conduit, not the ice cream part. But everything that we do is the idea that we love our city so much. But then you go to serve, and it's the other side of 3rd Street. I want us to know and know why we do what we do. I want us to know what, why we do what we do. Jesus came to serve us so that we can go and serve the city. So that we can go and serve our spouse, our kids, our schools, our co-workers. That's why. That's the purpose by which he saved us. That's the mission he set us on. Not for the ice cream part, but what it looks like for you. What do you do for a job? What does the, your family dynamic look like? Or maybe for you, your Single, but you got people in your life and relationships. You got people that are hurting all around you. You lead an open house. You volunteer here at church. You got people all around you that you're serving, and you're trying to love, and you're trying to live, and serve them. This is the mission of conduit. Now, here's the thing: I want to remind you, if you've come to conduit, conduit is not like another church. I'm sorry. There's not a lot of things that we are offering you. Because I don't want you here. I want you out there. I want you home. Loving your spouse. We want to empower you to love your spouse and love your kids and, love and, and pour your heart into what God's called you to do. And yes, there's some stuff to do here. But ultimately, we should be an overflow into the city. Because as Jesus came to serve us, we are here to serve them. Because here's the whole Idea. You have to do this, but you have to do this in community. I've heard some, a few conversations lately that um, they're having a hard time experiencing or getting something in community here. Psst. Serve. Yes, sign up for an open house. Make some friends. Be discipled. We want to know the word of God. We want to grow in his word. We want to see people come to Christ. But our mission, our our serving mission, we got work to do. And that doesn't mean you got to have all your own stuff figured out. It means you, you figure your stuff out on the way as Jesus is helping you, as Jesus is leading you, as the Holy Spirit is filling you. And you do it together. Someone said to me this week on the phone, and I totally understand. Um, and I totally get it. I totally understand it. But they were like, hey, I guess this just means I need a bunch of people around me um, to really help me walk through hard times in my faith. And this was, a, this was a conclusion that they arrived at. Yes, that's the point. It's not like something we arrive at. This is something that we are. This is something we have to be. And that happens through service. That happens through living and loving and serving on mission, together. Sorry for that long explanation. I just needed to make that super, super clear. So the account in Luke, i just kind of, for the sake of time, I'm going to buzz through what that looked like. Jesus and his disciples are sitting uh, down for dinner. Jesus is reclined with them as well, and he gets up. And normally what would be the, uh, the job for the servant, um, he got up and he took upon that servant's job for himself. And he took off his outer uh, clothing and he wrapped it around his waist and he got down because obviously they walked around with sandals, their feet got dirty. All twelve of his disciples are around this table and he began to take this pan and he got down with these disciples and one by one he took their feet and he began to wash their feet. Now I know we've heard this story. I know that we are so used to hearing this that maybe it's easy for us to even at this moment check out but all of a sudden, Peter and some of his disciples start having this conversation with Jesus about, wait, 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 especially Peter was like, no, 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 don't wash my feet. Like, don't do this. Like, you're, like, it's, it's almost like when somebody the last time tried to serve you. The, the last time somebody tried to buy you dinner. No, man. No, man. I got this, you know. Or the last time somebody tried to do something nice for you. This is Peter. He's doing this to Jesus. And Jesus' response: like, listen, listen, listen. Some, sometimes we need to wash our whole selves. Sometimes we need Jesus to completely transform us and cleanse us and change us. But sometimes we just need our feet polished up a bit. So Jesus is essentially saying, Let me serve you. And he began to serve and wash all of the disciples' feet. Here, here's what I noticed. <laughs> ultimately that when we serve like Jesus did there people actually experience the real Jesus when we serve like Jesus did right there with his disciples that's when people actually experience the real the real Jesus so my challenge today is Serve like the real Jesus. Not serve like your initial idea of what Jesus might do. Or what might he say. Or what might he post on Facebook or Instagram. Or what he might say to that aunt or uncle that's just so wrong politically. Or, or what he might say to that spouse that is so far off and so wrong. How would Jesus get down and wash their feet? Because I think when we serve like the real Jesus, they might just experience the real Jesus. When we serve like the real Jesus, they might just experience the real Jesus. Now, the reason we do what we do at Conduit and we... We serve our city, and the way we serve our city is not because when we hand them a snow cone, we grab them real quick and like read them the Bible and make them pray some prayer, and hopefully they live the rest of their life in full passion for the Lord. Right? Um, we know that's not legitimate, and we also know that we and you've been here. We know that we've had events, we've had events where we've had like over a thousand people at events that we just served on like a Saturday. And then Sunday comes, and guess what? <laughs> half of, no, like, even half of y'all are here because you're tired. <laughs> half the staff is here. I'm kidding on the staff part. Um, this, is the, this is the whole thing. <laughs> we serve because it's who we are. We're not giving them a snow cone. We're not serving our cities so that we want something from them. We're serving because we want to serve them because Jesus served us. And if we serve them in a humble way as a group, um, man, they might experience the real Jesus. I know I'm being really vague with a snow cone, but if you're new to Conduit, we just walked through a vision, um, a restructured strategic vision for the next seven years. Um, I'd encourage you to grab this. In fact, if you don't have one of these, just put your hand straight up, and I'll make sure Darren uh, does a great job in the back. If he he could get you one of these, if you could just hold your hand up, he'll get you one. And this kind of walks you through um, what our vision looks like in the next seven years. And a lot of this vision has to do with certain areas of our city that really have need. Um, There are food deserts um, in our city that we want to partner with great local organizations that we've already begun to have conversations with and already begun to have initiatives with that we want to meet the needs of the city. Yes, a church. And not write Bible verses on bananas and hand them out. Why are we doing that? Because we want to serve the city. Because I bet that's what Jesus would be doing too. When we serve like the real Jesus, they might experience the real Jesus. Um... We want to plant churches. We want to start new churches. Not tomorrow. Believe you me. Not tomorrow. Although that would be a lot of fun. Um, Because that is the best way to reach people for Jesus. We want people to know and experience God's word in our open houses. We want people to grow in their faith. We want them to know not just what the Bible teaches about Jesus but the whole thing. We want people to know and experience gospel community and exist in serving together in our city. That's what we want because we believe that when we serve like the real Jesus, they might experience the real Jesus. That is not the clear direction that God has said. Hey, if you go out and you just serve, they'll come running in droves. He just says, go out and serve. Go and serve. In fact, that's the end of the story when Jesus challenges his disciples. They're all just in shock. they got clean feet now and Jesus puts his his outer air clothes back on. He washes his own hands and what does it say? It says he sits back down with his fellas, his disciples at the table. He says, I did this as an example to you guys. There's no job that the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords is above. There's no job that's too high for any of us. In fact, some of the best ways that Jesus showed that example is by getting low. Like there's so much metaphor in what he did with that, that, the feet. There's nothing more gross than feet. Amen? <laughs> and dirt and sandals and first in, in Israel and those disciples, like from what we can tell, they were they were, they were anywhere from middle school to late teen, early 20 boys. I got three boys. Just leave it at that. So just a, there's a lot of humility in that moment for to do that. They called him master, or teacher, or rabbi. And he humbled himself in a way, and they experienced a real Jesus. I think they, in that moment, experienced. The Jesus. There is a lot going on in our world um, right now, in our country, in our state, even this week, um, that I know a lot of us are pretty passionate about and should be passionate about, should be angry about, should be uh, talking about, should be praying about, should be conversating about, should be helping in any way we can, um, in any area we can to help our world, not just in regards to abortion, but any need that we see in our city, in our community. But really, when it comes down to it, it's about serving like Jesus. Because I think it's easy. When we see something we don't like, it's to spot off our mouth, isn't it? Well, I'm going to Facebook. I'm going to tell the world. I'm going to tattoo it on my arm. I'm going to... Wear the T-shirt. I'm going to get up and preach a message on it. I get it. I get a platform to be able to talk about these things. So I, I understand what it's like when you're upset about something, you're passionate about something, and you want to say something, you do it. I get that. But sometimes, guys, sometimes the real Jesus was less talking and more doing. Sometimes it was more listening. And sometimes it was talking. But every bit of it was loving. Every bit of it was about the heart of the person and how he could help and serve that person, not some agenda or some. Well, we know how he felt about politics, and we know how Jesus even felt about religion. Jesus went after the heart because the heart is where the person resides. It's where they. It's like where those feelings and where all those decisions and all of that rests. Because he knew, if I get to that, it, it can change it all. So when we serve in that way, they might experience the real Jesus. Today's super simple and super practical and super short. I wanted to end in, a, in a, just a practical way. I wanted to give you, um, I wanted to, to just simply close in a time of reflection and prayer for you. Um, I know it's really easy for us to stand here and kind of challenge you. And I know sometimes I can get really excited about something. But I want you to take this home. I want you to, to, to really ponder some of these things. Um, because at the end of the day, I think, hmm. we can talk about service all we want. And it's easy to talk about serving our city. It really is. But like if I'm not serving my spouse, or if I'm not serving my coworkers, Or if I'm not being, if I'm not helping them experience the real Jesus by serving like the real Jesus. And I'm not getting down in humility and serving in that way. If I'm not doing that in a real way, they may not be experiencing the real Jesus. They're experiencing some other genre of Jesus. What is the real Jesus? It's the Jesus that the Bible talks about. It's It's the Jesus that we Talked about today in Luke and in Mark that Jesus didn't come to be served, He came to serve. This cross is a representation of how He came to serve us. He didn't just come to live His life and to soak it in, He came to serve and to offer and to give not just stuff but Himself. And that puts us in an amazing place because, yes, He came to serve you but he came to serve you so much that like your cup will be so overflowing with Jesus that you you've got to do something about it you've got to let that overflow to your relationships you've got to let that overflow to your own heart and and taking care of yourself you've got to let that overflow to your spouse and your family and your kids and your your extended family and your neighbors and you've got to let that into your church family, and you gotta like this absolutely. If you're overflowing and you're overflowing and you're overflowing back there and you're overflowing, and we're overflowing together, and we're coming to church, and it's not about me and what I get to experience where this church has fallen short, or where this pastor's fallen short, or where this open house has fallen short, or I wish it was like this, or I wish we did more of this, but what if you were so filled with Jesus? What if you were so surrendered with Jesus and He was working in you? And through you, because the story is not about you. It's about you fitting in God's story. God's story is not trying to cram into your story. You are allowed to be in God's grand story. Isn't that amazing? Because nothing in this book is about me. But everything in this book is about God, which ultimately affects every part of me. He sets us loose on the people in our life, in our home, our church, in our city. To do that very thing, serve. Serve because of service. God knows. He knows that our existence is about existing for others, living on mission because he knows. Do you know this? If the, if the focus is me, if the focus is on me, and like that gets old real quick, and we get so self-consumed about the next toy I get and the next moment of pleasure I get to have, and the next thing, and we're grabbing, and we're grabbing, and we're grabbing, and we're grabbing. And the next thing you know, 75 or 100 years, whatever years you're allowed, is gone. And it's empty. God has wired us. He's wired us in a way that we are to serve because he knows that we are to, we are to enjoy life. But it's also to overflow other people. And it's who we are as a church. And my challenge this morning, I know our our vision series, On Purpose, was not so much talking about what Conduit's vision was, because we knew that if Conduit's vision was clear and our vision for you as a person in your home and in your own heart wasn't clear, that it wouldn't go anywhere. And then I'm talking to myself, too. So we knew, good and well, that this starts here. So the, the challenge here is that we would recognize the people in our life that we could serve. That we would recognize the areas in our own heart and mind that need to be um, surrendered to the Lord, adjusted, tweaked, in practical ways that we can serve and change and be challenged by that thought. i got four questions for you as we close. Four questions. Um, Galatians 5 and verse 13, you don't have to turn there, just listen. Because I want you to really ponder these four questions. And it has everything to do with the overflow of this verse. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. That's good news, right? You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. That's what I was talking about. Like the 75 years or 100 years that you're given like, man, that'll go by so fast if we're just grabbing and filling and pleasing ourselves, like, it'll just go by so fast. Don't use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly and love. One more time. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Do not use this freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly and love. In order to live... We have to love. In order to serve, we have to do it by love. So it's hard to serve if we don't love. And so the first question I have um, has to do with this. Look at the first question. is um, That first question is, take a look at your schedule. It is filled with too many things. Is it filled with too many things and not the right things? Take a look at your schedule. Just ponder this in your own mind, because I I don't know if they have that on the screen. Um, There we go. Take a look at your schedule. It is filled with too many, is it filled with too many things and not the right things? These are four just takeaway questions I want you to ponder before we leave. Is it filled with too many things and not the right things? this is a question I had for myself as a, follow, as, as a follow-up question to that one. Did, and it has to do with why I serve. Why do we serve? This, this is a question that had to do with take a look at your schedule. Is it filled with too many things and not the right things? Do I serve because I had time? Did I, did I serve because I just, I was able to fit it in my schedule? That's kind of an eye-opening question. Rather than, I'm going to serve, period. As a priority. Rather than, man, I'll, I'll get to that, I'll serve if I have time. And this goes for your home, your church, or your city. Second question. To some degree, we care what people think. Everybody does. We care what people think. Is this a consuming thought for you? And the follow-up question in your mind for that, for me, was, (laughs) did you serve because they think, did you serve because they might think well of you? Did you serve them because they might think well of you. Because if the focus is just them, man, that will be really empty with a not a lot of return. But if the, serve, if, if, the, if the motive is Jesus, they don't even have to know what you did to serve them. They don't have to say thank you. They don't even have to see it or recognize it. That's what serving like Jesus is. Third question your list of to-dos is daunting. Amen to that, anybody? Your list of to-dos is daunting. Does that ever get in the way of being present? Oh, it would be nice not to do anything and just be present. I could make a hippie joke right there, but I'm not going to. Um, and the follow-up question in your mind for that one is, did you serve because you needed something in return? Did you serve because you needed something in return? So I mentioned three questions so far. I wanna, Before I put up the fourth one, I, I want to point out that these three things, take a look at your schedule, um, do we care what people think, and We talked about to do lists. There are three things that Jesus is not. Just briefly, Jesus is not stressed by time. Think about that. Jesus was not stressed by time, Jesus was not consumed by what others thought. Mind blowing, if you think about that. And number three, Jesus was not a project manager this is considering he was a carpenter for a huge chunk of his life <laughs> think about this how easy is it for us to be stressed by time consumed by what others think and we're project managers we got stuff to do it's hard it's i would say it's almost impossible this right here is probably vulnerably the thing that stops me so often from serving and being available to serve. I'm stressed by time. I can't fit it in. I'm consumed by what others might think. And I'm, I'm drowning. There's too much to do. And none of those things Jesus was consumed by. None of those things Jesus was constrained by. And I'm not, well, I'm not giving this, this idea that Jesus was just this, ah, oh, whatever, you know, I just want to be friends with you guys, and I just want to hang out, you know? No, no, no. Jesus had a plan. It was very clear. He was on the way to, to specifically a lot of the whole path of, of the Gospels. He was on the way to Jerusalem with his disciples. He was on his way to ultimately end there, and then go to the tomb, and then rise again, and then head back to the Father. But he had a path. He had projects he had to do. But his projects were not things. They were people. And people weren't projects for him. He slowed himself down. He wasn't stressed by time. He wasn't consumed what others thought. But yet he changed the world. And then he left. He only, he only did this for three years, guys. And then he left. You know what I'm about to say. Then he left the job to flip the world upside down to a bunch of B-team, junior varsity, arguably modified um, boys. Not to mention all the amazing, capable women that were funding and running the ministry behind the scenes that don't get mentioned a lot. I thought that would be a roaring applause at that moment right there. Go with it, yay! Um, <laughs> behind every modified JD, no, I'm kidding. Um, fourth question, fourth question, last thing, and then we're gonna transition. To love is to serve. Is your heart struggling to genuinely love others? I get there. Yep. Um, When you're consumed with those three things, it's really hard, it's really difficult to genuinely love others. Who right now is the hardest person to serve, serve in your life right now? Don't say it out loud. This is not a classroom, okay? This is a safe place, but it's not that safe, all right? In your mind, who is the hardest person in your life to serve? Let me go a little bit deeper. Is it genuinely hard, is it hard to genuinely love that person right now? And if it is, if it is, let me close in prayer if you'd bow your head and you close your eyes and if you would be bold enough and if you would have enough guts because, man, you're talking to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords that's here to serve you. If you would have enough guts to ask him to help you genuinely love that person so that you can serve that person so that you can serve them like the real Jesus so that they can maybe experience the real Jesus, he might probably will actually help you. Yep, he's going to help you through his Holy Spirit. So if you'd be bold enough, if you'd bow your head and you'd close your eyes and you'd simply pray that, you'd ask for a heart change. You'd ask God, God, I'm having a hard time genuinely loving this person. I'm having a hard time Because of this or this. You know what? It doesn't even matter, God. I'm just having a hard time genuinely loving this person. And I need a heart change. God, I'm asking you to change my heart right now. God, in the next few days and weeks and months, change my heart right now for this person. I want to love every man, every woman, every child I want to serve every man, every woman, every child like you have. I want to be that. And God, help me with this person. I'm asking for heart change in the name of Jesus. And God, I just pray over these people this morning, just as we've had a time to talk a little bit about what you did with your disciples and how you served, just in a simple way. And that's all it is. That's all service really is. It's not always going overseas or fighting wars or giving away $10,000 to someone. It's not always getting credit or being on the news for it or even people knowing what service looks like. Sometimes serving is getting down and getting our sleeves rolled up. And just meeting the need that they have. It's just helping them know that they're so full of dignity, and they are loved, and they are valued, and they are made in the image of God. And no matter what they've done or what they're doing, that they are made in the image of God. That they have a purpose, and they have a plan, and you have the plan. We don't have that plan. And God, no matter where they're struggling, they're loved. No matter what they're, they're dealing with, they're loved. And God, they have absolutely been accepted absolutely been made by you and they can absolutely be forgiven by what you've done on the cross because the gospel changes everything by the faith in Jesus Christ may he save these people that we're praying for may you help us this morning and may we take that step of faith ourselves in trusting you as we trust you for heart change and genuinely loving others as we serve them like the real Jesus so they would experience the real Jesus We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. Well, before you move, before you move, um, I want to introduce a video. And I want to also introduce... um,